I am going to preach about 40 days in the presence of God this morning, and part of this is about three scenarios in the Bible where people fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And as I was preparing for this, I felt like, you know, I really should fast at least one day. But fasting, as I will share with you, is my weakest spiritual discipline. You know, I don't like to be hungry. And so I thought, well, maybe, maybe I, won't, I won't fast. Well, you know, this week was a rough week, and I, I was sick, and I ended up fasting for a whole day. It wasn't planned. And I'm, I'm not even going to attribute that to God. But it did make me think about the strength that we have in God, a strength that doesn't come from ourselves, but a strength that comes from outside ourselves with which God strengthens us. And I tell you that throughout my life and throughout ministry, I have discovered again and again and again that the key to living is the strength that is not the human strength that is within us, but the supernatural strength of God that is within us. I testify to that, and I believe that with all of my heart. You know, this is interesting because this is a series about 40, the space in between. We are looking at stories in the Bible that involve the number 40, and typically it's about a wilderness experience, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 days of fasting, something that God did in the lives of his people over a space of 40, be it 40 years or 40 days. And I don't understand why 40 is wholly uh, specific in the Bible to be representative of a time of waiting or a time of preparation, but it is. And so we always put our little antennas up when we see 40 that, okay, this is a time of preparation or a time of God doing something in his people. It just so happens that Pastor Randy said, hey, when are you going to be in town so that we can put you in this 40-day series to preach one of these? And so I said October 16th for sure. I think other times, but that Sunday for sure. And it's interesting that I didn't put the dots together, but this week, folks, this week marks 40 years to the week that I pulled into a little town called Jasonville, Indiana. It was the first time, it was probably the second time I'd been in the state of Indiana my whole life. I was 22 years old, and that was the beginning of full-time vocational ministry for me, for us, 40 years ago this week. And out of those 40 years, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about, and you, you know that I, you could call me the weeping prophet maybe because I can't keep my eyes dry when I preach because I encounter the presence of God as I, and it just moves me on a deep level. So today I might cry, today I might not cry. But on the inside, I am feeling the presence of God in such a strong and emotional way. But, you know, as I look at this and I think about those 40 years, I know what 40 years is like. 
If you haven't lived 40 years yet, you don't know what 40 years is like exactly. But I know what 40 years is like. I can look back and I can measure that time span. And I can see that over those 40 years, there was this preparation in my life that brings me to today. So I'm going to say that I'm just going to accept and embrace that if I'm at the 40-year mark of full-time vocational ministry, God perhaps is going to do something in the fourth quarter that I may not be anticipating, and so I am ready for the work of God in my life for the next years. When I was 40 years old, I went to a cabin on our campgrounds in Indiana, and I sought God for the next 40 years of my life. I prayed that from the age of 40 to the age of 80 that God would give me a plan, that God would give me direction for my life. I fasted for three days and three nights on my 40th birthday, leading up to my 40th birthday, seeking God. I said, Lord, I'm asking for health. I'm asking for strength until I turn 80, and everything after that is a bonus. Now I'm saying maybe 90, you know. (laughs) 80 is so young, you know, it's just, it's um, not there yet. I still got 18 years. Wow, that's that's scary as it can be, you know, but um, the 40, that God is unique in that he is the God who is present among his people. And I have learned over and over again that it is the strength of God and not my own strength, that is the preparation of God and not my own preparation that will move me forward in the presence of God and in the will of God. So in the Bible, 40 usually signifies two things. One, it's the length of a generation. 40 is a waiting period, a time when God is working in our lives or we are in a time of preparation. And so as this is, I think, the third message in this series that if you've not been here the last few weeks, that's what this 40 is all about. And I'll be making references to 40. The 40s are more the working of a process than they are an event. The 40s are more the working of a process than they are an event. When you fast 40 days and nights, it looks like an event, But really the point is what God is doing in our lives and the process that he is prompting. You see, our lives are a series of events and processes. Now think of this often, but conception is an event, but gestation is a process. Birth is an event, but maturation and growth is a process. Death is an event. And our lives being made up of these events and these processes, we can also see the pattern that God is working in our lives. There are events and then there are processes. And the events of God in our lives are designed to launch a process. I am a man who desires the presence of God. There's very few things, there's probably nothing I love more than that sense of the presence of God. It's kind of like when God blows into the room. I don't even know what that means. 
but it's when God blows into the room and he becomes very real to us, kind of like during worship this morning. I don't know about you, we're all in a different place, but as I stood in worship, there was a moment when I began to become aware of the presence of God. God is everywhere all the time. He is ever-present in our lives, but there are those moments when we become aware of him, and those moments are golden. I love those moments. Life is a back and forth of events that catalyze that process. And when we are in our 40s, are the working of a process in our lives, perhaps catalyzed by an event that prepares us to seize future events. There are revivals, there are moments of renewing, but God does those works in our lives to propel us, to catalyze us into a process that he's working in our lives. It's not enough to just encounter God. We must also learn to walk with God and walk in his spirit. Come on, somebody, help me out here. I want to encounter him, but I want to walk with him every day of my life so that over the long haul of my life, God can do a work in our lives. And the characteristic of our God, the thing that makes our God unique, is he is always present with his people. You think about other gods and the description of other gods, the thing that makes our God unique as when he works in and among his people, it is always about his presence with his people. In the garden, God was present with Adam and Eve until they were separated by sin. You see, God is present with his people, and whatever separates his people from him must be dealt with. In the 40 years of wilderness wandering, God was present with his people. He demonstrated his presence by the column of fire by night and the cloud that went with them during the day. He demonstrated his presence by establishing the tabernacle, establishing the holy of holies, the ark of the covenant in the midst of the people that clearly represented the presence of God in the midst of his people. Throughout scripture, God presents himself as the God who is present. That's who he is. God reveals himself through his names. And in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament, there's a number of names of God. You may have encountered many of them. There's Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Yireh, who is the God who provides. There is Jehovah Shalom, who is God, our peace. Folks, this is who God is. He reveals his character and his nature to us through his names. He is God, our peace. And if your life is disrupted and you need peace, he is God, our peace. He is Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer. He is Jehovah Nisi, God, our banner. He is Jehovah Tzidkenu, God, our righteousness. And there is one that is in Ezekiel chapter 48 that we often don't hear about. But in Ezekiel 48, the tribes and the territory of Judah is being described. The land distributions of the holy city are being described by Ezekiel. The gates are being described. 
And then there is verse 35, as the holy city is described, it says, the circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits, whatever that is. And the name of that city from that time on shall be, the Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah. The the Lord is there. I told you I might cry. (laughs) Don't you love Jesus? Jesus is the most incredible gift, the most incredible thing in this universe. The prophets foretold the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. And the prophet Isaiah declared, and his name shall be called. What? Emmanuel, which is God with us. The name of God, Emmanuel, God with us. It's reflective of the good shepherd in Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. He is Jehovah Shammah. God is there. So, he being the God of presence, 40 days in the presence of God, in this message we explore the experiences of three people in Scripture who fasted 40 days. One was Moses who encountered God on the mountain. Um, And as Pastor Dylan preached last week, Moses led the people of God 40 years through the wilderness But there was a 40-day time of fasting as God was giving him the covenant. There is Elijah who encountered God in a whisper after he'd gone in the strength of God's sustenance for 40 days. No other food or water to drink for those 40 days. And then there was Jesus who was prepared and empowered in the supernatural realm as he began his ministry that would offer redemption and the fulfillment of God's plan for all of us. As Jesus was launching into ministry, Jesus is the Son of God, and yet there were 40 days that he spent in the presence of God with no food, no water, fasting, being prepared to face intense temptation, but being prepared for what was ahead of him as the redeemer of the world. These three stories are about three men who went 40 days with no natural sustenance, and in all three of these cases, they were supernaturally sustained, and that is the key to this message. Now, I want to say just a few things about fasting. First of all, fasting is a mechanism to remove filters. It is, and it could be a lot of things. We could have an entire teaching series on fasting, but to me, when I think of fasting, I think of fasting as a mechanism to remove filters. We were in Joburg a few weeks ago. We had an Uber driver, long story, but we began to speak about things of God on this ride. Donna usually brings it up. I'm always like, I just want to get there. (laughs) I'm the spiritual one. I just want to get there. But we're talking. He looks in the rearview mirror at me and he says, are you holy people? 
I like to think of myself as holy. You know, just, I mean, who is holy? Are you holy people? Well, I understood what he meant, and I said, you could say that because through the blood of Christ, we've been made holy. We've been set apart for the purpose of God. We spent the long ride talking, and the thing that hurt my heart was that the questions he was asking, he felt like he could not serve God because he could not fast as he had been taught was required to do for him to be able to serve God. He could not fast for the long periods of time that were necessary. He had been told a lot of things about what was required for him to know God. We shared with him that our sufficiency is in Christ. But you see, it is important to me that all of us understand that fasting is not about earning something from God because Jesus paid it all. Fasting is not about earning something from God. Fasting is not about making ourselves suffer so that we can gain something from God because suffering will find us all on its own. Huh? We don't have to make up a way to suffer. It will find us. Fasting is my absolute weakest spiritual discipline because I don't like to do it, and yet my body is weakened this morning for the fast that I was on this week because it was not only a fast, but it was an emptying of any nutrition that was in my body, too much information. (laughs) But I am always excited to preach when my body is weak because always in our weakness, God is made strong. Fasting is about bringing our basic needs under discipline to remind us that our belly is not our God and that the desires of the flesh are to be brought under the control of the spirit and not the other way around. Fasting has a way of putting self under the control of the spirit and it opens up the way to encounter God as our source. Nothing illustrates that more than saying, God, food is not my source of nourishment, you are. And of course we understand that we must have food and we must have water. You cannot live more than three to five days without hydration. If you do not take in food or drink at all, most likely you will be dead in five days. Now you can fast for 30 days, 60 days. If you're intaking fluids and you're healthy, that is a possibility. But you can't go without food or water for more than five days normally. And my point is this, the fasts of Moses, Elijah, and Jesus were supernaturally empowered. They were supernatural miracles. Three truths that we learn from these three stories. Here you go. If you're a note taker, this would be the outline. Number one, trust comes from clarity. Sustenance comes before legacy. And preparation comes before promise. I want to first talk about trust comes 
before clarity. Woo. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, 9, and 11, it reads this way. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. Thus the Lord used to speak with Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Wow. Wow. Then in Exodus 34, 28, it says, So he, Moses, was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. The principle here is that internal barriers are removed before external barriers. On the inside, there were no barriers between Moses and God. And that being the case, then with the internal barriers removed, the external barriers removed, were removed that God was able to speak to Moses and reveal his covenant to Moses. Moses spent 40 years, now get this, Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness, preparing to lead the people of God through 40 years in the wilderness. How old was Moses? Now, I'm just assuming that you know the story. If you don't, it's a great story. How old was Moses when he killed the Egyptian and he had to flee into Midian, the wilderness? He was 40 years old. He had spent 40 years in the house of Pharaoh preparing himself in the house of Pharaoh, he fled to Midian and he spent 40 years in the wilderness preparing himself to come back to Egypt and spend 40 years leading the people of God out of slavery and into the promise. Sometimes before we can help people walk through their 40, We've got to walk through our 40. And when we walk through our 40, then God gives us something that we can help them walk through their 40. We can help navigate them through. Moses took a long time for the trust to be built so that the clarity would come. Trust comes before clarity. You've heard me speak of this before because it was a journey in my life through my 40 that I needed to learn to trust God before I would get any clarity. And for Moses to receive the covenant of God, God is working in Moses' life so that all the barriers are removed. He trusts God in this supernatural fast, and God is moving through him and in him to deliver this covenant to him over these 40 days. God speaks to the heart that listens. The delight is the face of God. I have a friend. I don't remember if I've ever shared this friend with you folks, but 
My friend's name is Francois. Francois pastors a French-speaking church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Francois and Salima are our friends. Francois' parents, his father is Congolese, his mother is Rwandan, grew up in the Congo. In the early 90s, Francois was 16 years old, and the Rwandan genocide was taking place. Francois' mother was Tutsi. His father was Congolese and on the wrong side of the new government. Don't understand all of it. His mother had to go into hiding. His father was put in prison. His father learned to speak English in a prison in Congo with spiders on him and water dripping on him, and he learned to speak English by reading the Bible. That was his 40. We went to Francois' parents' home in Fort Wayne. We spent time with them. Incredible people, incredible stories. Salima is Rwandan, Tutsi. As a young girl, they were back and forth across the border. People who harbored them, people who protected them, people who saved their lives were sometimes killed just hours after they left for harboring them. Francois told me a story of how when his father was put in prison and his mother was in hiding, he, being 16 years old, and his many younger siblings were in the home and they would see people that they knew being executed and set afire in the street. Francois was 16 and there was no food in the house. There was nothing that they could do. So Francois took a chair And he set it there, and he sat down in this chair, and he said, God, we have to talk. This is your chair, and this is my chair, and we have to talk. We have no food. We are trusting you. We will die if you do not help us. As he was speaking to what we might think is an empty chair. He is the God of presence. The chair is never empty. As he's speaking to the chair, there's a knock on the door. He goes down, he looks, he's cautious. There's a man at the door. He opens the door. The man says, I owed your father money, and I've come to bring it to you. The man knew of the situation. The man didn't have to pay the money, but he gave Francois a bag with money in it. And thus was their story from one thing to the next to the next. 
of how God sustained them in this time. Met Selena, Salima a few a couple years later in a refugee camp in Gabon. They ended up in Indiana, of all places. They ended up with friends. The African people who were once refugees that make up that strong church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, are some of the people that sent us here. God has done an incredible work. That was their 40. That was their 40. And I want you to know that God speaks to the one who listens. And the supernatural framework of this 40 days of fasting in Moses' life shows us that it is the supernatural work of God in our lives that sustains us, more so than the natural work, even as Francois and his family were sustained by a supernatural work from God. There were three decisions from my 40 that I made. I've probably spoken of this before. Three decisions from my 40, and those decisions were, I will be whole again no matter what it takes. I am committed to the process. That's faith. My second decision was I choose to believe that good things are going to happen that would not have happened had this thing not happened first. And on November the 4th, I'm going to fly to Mumbai and I'm going to hold a little baby that I would have never known if the other garbage stuff hadn't happened first. Folks, do you hear what I'm saying? That in the supernatural work of God, this is our God. I choose to believe that good things are going to happen that otherwise would never have happened. That's hope. And thirdly, I decided I will pay attention and I will learn and I will give grace that I've received to somebody else because when we walk through a 40, we are equipped to walk with somebody else in their 40, in their time of waiting, to encourage them as God is doing a work in their lives. It's one. The second is sustenance comes before legacy. Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 8, and he arose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God, the mount of God. The story is Elijah and the prophets of Baal, they go up to Mount Carmel. There is a showdown. Elijah is the prophet of God, the prophets of Baal. He soaks, he saturates the sacrifice with water, and then there's a contest to call down fire from heaven. The prophets of Baal cannot call down fire, but God, Elijah trusts God, and he calls down fire from heaven that consumes the soaked sacrifice. He then ends up under a broom tree discouraged. How do you go from the peak of victory to setting under a broom tree despondent and discouraged? But this is what happened. It's just, is this not enough? He was so despondent, he was not even able to feed himself. He was not interested in food. He was not interested in eating. First Kings chapter 19, it says, And the earthquake 
that before I get there, as he sits there, there is supernatural provision brought to him to eat by God. He eats the food, he drinks, and then for 40 days, that's all that he has. He is supernaturally sustained as he goes forth because God is calling him forth. He says that as he's seeking out God, it says in 1 Kings 19 in the verses that are listed, and after the earthquake of fire, he's looking for God. He's looking for a meeting with God, and as he goes under the power of this supernatural sustenance for 40 days, he is looking for God, and there's an earthquake, but God is not in the earthquake. There's a fire, but God is not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, and when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak. God was found in the whisper, in the still, small voice. And when he heard the whisper, he stood at the entrance of the cave, and behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. So he departed from there, found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him, cast his cloak upon him. Elijah was not finished. God sustained him supernaturally to finish. He went and he anointed the next king. He anointed his successor. But here is the powerful thing. Our greatness must yield before we can know God's greatness. Our greatness must yield before we can know God's greatness. And only God's sustenance will transition us from the broom tree to the chariot of fire. If you know the story of Elijah, he is disappointed. He is discouraged. He is despondent. I've faced those in my 40, and many of you have faced those things as well. I have sat under the broom tree. I wanted to die, but I needed to live for my girls. I wished it had been me that had died, but I did not want my beloved to feel the pain that I was feeling. I was disappointed. I was disappointed in life. I was disappointed in God. I was disappointed in myself. I was discouraged. I was ready to quit. I was despondent. But as Jesus met the woman at the well, Jesus said to her, if you will drink this water, you will never thirst again. See? Jesus declared that he was the bread of life in John chapter 6 when Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me will not thirst. If you're going to make it to the end, folks, we sat under the broom tree despondent, discouraged, and disappointed. But in the supernatural sustenance of God, we can move from the broom tree to the chariot of fire. For as Elijah went to heaven, it was not God's plan for Elijah to die despondent and in despair under a broom tree. But instead, he anointed his successor, and God took him away to heaven in a chariot of fire. What is the path from the broom tree to the chariot of fire? It's being moved forward in the supernatural sustenance of God given in those 40 days, in our 40. That's how we make it, folks. Sustenance comes before legacy, and finally preparation comes before promise. 
In Luke chapter 3, we see Jesus is baptized. When Jesus was baptized and was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This was the initiation of Jesus' earthly ministry. Then in Luke chapter 4, it says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The reality is for every good thing and valuable thing in our lives, there is a time of preparation. Jesus modeled emptying. Philippians chapter 2, I'll not read it, but it tells us who Jesus was. He said he didn't count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Why? It is because the 40 is about emptying ourselves. It's about the testimony that my sufficiency is in Christ. Even Jesus, the Son of God, had to be prepared to operate in the Spirit rather than in the natural. Folks, when I was five years old, I don't know that I've ever shared this publicly. When I was five years old, I peed in my pants because I didn't have the courage to ask my teacher if I could go to the bathroom. I was the quietest kid. I remember we had a youth day at church. I was 17 years old. I felt like God had called me to preach. They asked me to preach the Sunday morning service that Sunday. I begged God to please help me. My knees shook the whole time I stood behind the pulpit. But there was something I felt that day. I felt the anointing and the presence of God. I learned that day that the thing I was most scared of could never speak in front of people. But God empowered, God empowered that. Because in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is the reality in Christ Jesus. For those who live according to the flesh, Romans chapter 8, I wrap this up. Romans chapter 8 says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Hmm. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, 
You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Trust comes before clarity. The 40s prepare us to trust rather than I have to see. Sustenance comes before legacy. The 40s prepare us to go in God's strength so we don't die despondent under a broom tree. We go out in a chariot of fire. Preparation comes before promise. Folks, I would say this to you above all other things, that what we learn from these three stories is not that we must fast for 40 days or we must suffer in fasting. It's telling us that our strength and our sufficiency comes from God. That as God is preparing us, God is doing a work in our lives that he will supernaturally sustain us. And if you're walking through a 40 right now, how do I know if I'm walking through a 40? Oh, you'll know. The 40's like, I hope this isn't 120. When is this over? When you're walking in the 40. See, guys, I just can't help it. I can't help but tell my story. And I'm not going to tell my story. But I'm going to tell this part. And that is... That 40 was terrible. It was terrible. I would rather die than do it again. And yeah, I might have to do it again. But our God is a God of presence. You know what I mean? Our God is Emmanuel. Our God is Jehovah Shammah. I can't get up and I'm sitting under the broom tree and I'm disappointed and I'm despondent and depressed and I'm discouraged. Sometimes if Elijah the prophet couldn't get up and he couldn't feed himself, sometimes we need supernatural sustenance that will come to us. And under the power of that sustenance, we can get up and find God. God isn't in the earthquake and he's not in the fire. He's in the still small voice that brings us into the fullness of who he is.